Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fuck yeah. It's like a loot machine. Good morning to everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network 2023. Happy New Year uh, to everyone. I'm Carlos Brown, joined by Charles Etman of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Here's simply what's trending uh, on the Carlos Brown Show. North Carolina A&T, they have hired Coach Vincent Brown. I affectionately know knew him as the undertaker who played at Mississippi Valley State. Now he's the uh, head football coach at North Carolina A&T. And then also Tuskegee hires Aaron James as the head football coach, former player at Tuskegee, and um, also uh, previously on, on the staff. Two 
new football hire. So even though it's basketball season, football is still relevant, at least college football. Uh, that's what's trending here on the Coles Brown Show. Guest menu, January 7th, here on the Coles Brown Show. Charles Edmonds, Coach Van Petaway joins us. Uh, very shortly, we're going to be talking some swag basketball. And then, of course, uh, Will Brown uh, will join us on today's show. Charles, Happy New Year to you. Good morning, sir. How you been? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I hope everyone brought in 2023 in grand style and uh, ready to talk some swag basketball. And it's never a bad time to dabble into some football. Well, did you have an exciting New Year's Eve or was it just like me? You know, we're in the, our gold, well, not golden age, but uh, uh, we're at the age that we don't party as much. <laughs> and um, I dozed off to sleep right before uh, midnight and I woke up and was able to have my traditional toast with the significant other and get ready uh, for 2023. Charles, it's not like when you're in your 20s. It was partying yeah. all the time, just having a great time. Now you're more in your mellow years. I'll put it that way. Well, I never was, you know, for the record, I never, for the record, I was never really a party person anyway. Um, oh, I was. Over the, last, <laughs> I was, over the last few years, I kind of slept through the new year. But uh, this go around, I was actually up and uh my wife was up and uh we we said happy new year and and shut it down after that so i was able to stay up to bring in the new year and uh so i was just glad to see another year you know that's that's yeah. important you know because there's some people that aren't with us for this new year and uh so it's it, it's a blessing to be here and to be able to, to to do what you enjoy doing and just living life yeah and speaking of life um Coach Vincent Brown, North Carolina a and and Willa Brown, who will join us later, uh, he's an alum of North Carolina a and uh, Willer is never a guy that doesn't have an opinion. Uh, I wonder what he uh, is going to think about it. But uh, kind of um, surprising, maybe, maybe not, Charles, because um, swag ties, but also uh, – previously was coaching at uh, William and Mary and um, a terrific defensive coordinator, uh, but uh, North Carolina a makes the hire. Yeah. I mean, I was, that was kind of a, I'm not going to say odd, but I guess you could say odd. Um, if, if you really think about it, um, it, it I'm, I'm going to say TBT to be determined how that's going to go. I mean, I remember Vincent Brown when he played at Valley and he was terrific. I mean, he, he shut it down on that defensive side. When you when you ran to him, it was over. So as a player, he was he was wonderful at Mississippi Valley. Um, and obviously, as a coach trying to work his way up the ranks, um, obviously Sam Washington, there were some struggles there, especially transitioning out of the MEAC. Um, and I, I think that this is one, I'm not going to say out of the box, but it's an interesting hire. And I, I would just like to wait and see how it, how it transpires. He obviously coached at, at William and Mary, and that's obviously out of the the MEAC circle, if you will. So it's definitely an out of the box hire. Although he played in the box, he played in HBCU football. So that's why it's kind of a push, you know. And, and blackjack a push is even. Dealer has nineteen, you have nineteen. So it's kind of a push to me. 
and we'll see if he can get it to the finish line. I think it's different. I think it's something that a lot of people didn't expect. So we'll see how he does, and uh, I'm, I'm anxious to follow that. Well, you know, we often uh, talk about, uh, you know, time will tell. On paper, it seems good, but, you know, you can kind of evaluate the situation maybe uh, two, three years from now. It, it'll be a good indication. But, again, the pedigree that he brings forth, the professionalism, um, and some of his other stops, I believe, at the University of Virginia. So uh, football IQ played um, in the SWAC collegially. Now uh, North Carolina A&T, they've made multiple moves to different conferences. So, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens. Uh, but, hey, that's, that's, that's the news. North Carolina A&T hires Coach Vincent uh, Brown. Uh, as a head football coach. And then also Tuskegee kind of went from within the ranks and hiring Aaron James as, as a head football coach at Tuskegee. And we look at uh, these hires, and it is an important decision uh, by the administrations. And once again, we'll find out a couple of years from now how the hire has gone, you know. Um, you know, with the transfer reporter, we talk about that. And boy, it's hot and heavy uh, right now. Um, I, I tell a lot of people that now free agency, that's what I call it, has come to college football via the transfer portal. You have so many athletes in and all of them are not going to find a landing spot. So you've got to do your homework, even if you're a, a student athlete. There are opportunities, uh, Division II, uh, NAIA, <laughs> Division Three. So you got to do homework. And once again, parents are very concerned that have kids that are, uh, you know, student athletes, and they're looking for those those scholarships. And you know, we've had Coach Carlos James on. We've had uh, discussions about it. I guess. That's saying that, you know, now if you're put into a position where you can go into transfer portal and, and particularly get someone who's a, you know, a red shirt freshman, uh, sophomore, red shirt sophomore that has experience, collegiate experience, uh, that is uh, the hire that most of them are the hire, but they're, they're signing a lot of those student athletes. And, and we've also talked about the traditional way of doing it getting a kid, student athlete out of high school, get him in college, train him up. And <coughs> then we look at that position. What, what, what do you do? So you kind of have the portal. Then you have the high school student athletes that are trying to go on a collegiate level. So uh, you got to still have that, 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 that good mix and a good balance. And, and Charles, I'm looking at um, even when you're getting student athletes in visiting from, you know, they're in the portal, they're visiting the university, they're rolling out the red carpet, <laughs> their, their cars, they're shooting videos of, of those student athletes coming in. So it, it, it's very competitive, but I still say the foundation, you got to have a good foundation when the foundation is good, the structure will be solid. Yep. You know, all that you have to do your work on the front end as a as an institution, as an athletic department, as a whatever sport that is. 
But I'm just I'm I'm just curious from the student athlete perspective when you just make the decision to transfer. Is that something that just was it a snap decision or was it something you've been thinking about all along the entire season? And I, I've talked with different people about this. You know, if if a student athlete is is kind of struggling in terms of playing time or whatever the case, mm-hmm. do they talk to their coach about it in real time, or do or does the coach find out on the back end that they're transferring? I mean, I think that's to me that's where I'm intrigued about the whole transfer portal. Why? What happened? What went wrong? What went sideways? Because in a unrealistic situation, you want to talk to these student athletes all along the way. You you good? You okay? But that's not the way real life works because you're in your sport, you're in your season, and you're trying to do things in real time on the fly. So that that's the one thing about the transfer portal to me. When student athletes transfer, do they see the writing on the wall? Like you assume that you're not going to play, so you move on. Has the coach told you that, hey, we might be moving on? Um, is the institution just not for you? I mean, it, it's kind of that's – my, that's my take yeah. on it. I mean, student athletes can do what they, what they, what they choose to do. But I'm just wondering, what what could I have done to maybe persuade you to stay? Or did the coach say, hey, we might be moving, you need to do what you need to do? And if that's the case, then you know what's probably going to happen. But I think a lot of times, to me, in my opinion, and I don't really know, but I think that sometimes coaches get caught sideways on some of these transfers. Like, what what could we have done? Is there anything we could have done? Is there a brutally honest conversation between coach and that player? Maybe we maybe the transfer might not have happened. I don't know, but the, but nonetheless, this is the reality. It's wide open. You have NIL now that's involved. You know, players want, especially at the FBS level, want more in terms of NIL. Which one's going to give you the better deal? I mean, you talk about free agency. Hey, if I'm offering five years, twenty-five mil, and someone offers five years and thirty, you're going to take that. I mean, that's not happening. But you you kind of get the point. Whichever school on the FBS level, and even some of our programs, what the NIL is looking like at, at some of our schools, at Prairie View, at Jackson, at Bethune, at Bama State, at Alcorn, at Southern, or uh, Grambling. I mean, you <laughs> you see Hugh Jackson rolling out the big the, the big vehicle, uh, trying, to, trying to showcase some things. So it's this is kind of where we are in the showcase part of it, but I just would like to know from a student athlete perspective, what what happened? What, what, what went wrong? I mean, I don't know, but that's just that's just me kind of venting a little bit on that because we've had players transfer, basketball players transfer, and you just wonder what happened. You know, I talk to them on the back end as they're walking out the door, and you're like, man, what happened? And you know, they kind of saw the writing on the wall, but I'm like, was there a conversation had? Hard well, to say. It, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting because I mean, I, I can't speak for you know a, a student athlete. But if if it's me, and then I'm thinking that maybe it's multiple factors, um, I would think first of all maybe playing time. Um, you know, hey, not not getting enough playing time. But then, uh, as a student athlete, did I do everything possible to get the playing time? And then it, if if someone's ahead of me, or oh, oh, did they? Do the work. Are they they just better? And then sometimes you just I guess want a want a fresh start. So that's the first thing that pops out in my mind. Uh, playing time. Uh, also, maybe we can ask Willa Brown and, and Coach Petaway, who's a coach, 
I mean, I'm sure it's different perspectives on all this. And, uh, you know, maybe we can ask the student athlete. But um, a lot of times, though, when you're getting kids from, you know, other programs, maybe three stars or four stars or five stars, uh, I, I would just think that maybe maybe it's playing time. Maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe it could be multiple reasons. I, I know uh, in the past there have been some student athletes uh, uh, that were raised by their grandparents, and then the grandparents or, or their parents sickly, they want to move to be closer to home. I'm sure the NIL is a factor. Uh, you have to be a realist about it. Playing time, NIL, sometimes personal emergencies, and that, that's probably on, on, on the minority side for student-athletes uh, 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 leaving. Then, you know, I've seen some, some student-athletes that just got homesick, you know, just wanted to, you know, be back closer to home. I know in one case at Southern University, that's kind of a similar situation. Okay, just wanted to, to, to be back closer to home. You know, you, you transfer in, you, you simply don't like it. That happens sometimes, but it but it is intriguing. It's interesting, and um, to see what is one of the reasons, or the main reasons, or is there multiple reasons for uh, you know getting into the transfer portal? And usually, it's kids from uh, let's say from a Power Five school that they want to they get important they transfer down now they're looking at HBCUs and you see a lot of that going on 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 now Charles and when I tell you it's again it's free agency pretty much now and you have um kids that you know in some cases in, in some cases they they may were recruited by an HBCU and, and the staff recruited them they didn't choose them they went to another institution, didn't work out there. So then, too, they've established relationships with that student athlete. But uh, I'm sure it's multiple reasons, uh, Charles, for, for, for the decisions to, 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 to leave. But it's interesting on social media seeing some of the uh, situations that the universities are putting out to welcome in when they come in on a, an official visit. And I'm sure now with February 1st coming up very shortly, less than a month, it is going to be very interesting how many HBCUs will get some of those quote-unquote three and, and four stars. It's, it, it's never a dull moment in college athletics, Charles. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. Social media has, has fueled a lot of fires and even – on the back end of players transferring, when they announce on social media through Twitter and other means that they're transferring, the the pushback from from people, that's 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 disturbing, that's troubling to me. And you see it at at, at every level. If a kid transfers from Alabama or whatever, but, uh, I mean, they're whatever but Charles, school. But Charles, some... uh, uh, Charles, all you, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, uh, you're not surprised, right? Because, oh no, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised that. That, that these things happen is just, and then it just plays out even bigger and it gets uglier as the back and forth continues. So am, am I surprised? No. Am I disappointed? Yes. Because you have a right to go where you feel like you want to go. So that that's that's kind of my point. I just hate the, 
to see the venom play out on social media. That's that was kind of my yeah. point. But that's just the reality yeah. of where you are. I mean, even you know, one of your know, Southern special teams player transferred to Jackson State, and all of a sudden, it's a, it's a back and forth. You know, it's it's being highlighted, and it, I mean, it's just the reality that that we're in. But as far as uh, signing day, first Wednesday in February, I mean, you saw a lot of signees. Um, we had 18 in the early signing period. So it's just a matter of how many we're going to sign come February 1st. I mean, if we're doing a lot of our heavy lifting early with the early signing period, you assume that you're not going to have as big of a list come come February, the first Wednesday in February. So I, I'm anxious to see how these teams are going to balance it out. If you had a light list in the early then you're probably going to get a lot of signees um, come come uh, February. So I'm I'm anxious to see that list to see how much of a emphasis was on the early signing period and how much of the emphasis is on the signing date in February. I'm just anxious to see how, you know how the schools handle that. And then too, Charles, don't forget it depends on how many scholarships you have, you know, to offer. And then also on the back end, all of this back and forth transferring. What will be the effect on APR? That just looms in the back of my head. Because you've seen, um, not, not picking on Alabama A&M or Jackson State, but you've seen them in previous cycles turn over at least half the roster. Yeah. Um, in, in Southern's case, they signed eight, and then a lot of coaches are using the early signing period specifically into the transfer portal to get immediate helps and needs. So when February 1st come, maybe you're thinking that it probably will be more of the traditional student athletes that will sign, but uh, we'll have to see. But again, it depends on if someone is signing 20 or 25 in the early signing period, then I would think that maybe they don't have as many scholarships left. And if they do, then they're overhauling that roster and, uh, yeah. Wow. And, and, and we've seen yeah. it. And, and look, it, it's worked for Jackson State and Coach Taylor is um, is is ramping it up as far as in the transfer uh, portal and, and getting players in. And then to your point on social media. Yeah. The person you're talking about, the kicker, I mean, it's, it's known Luke Jackson. All I would say is to, to, to Luke. Um, Thanks for the time at Southern University. Congratulations. And and you kind of leave it there. But, you know, hey, those back and forths, and, it, and you're right, I've seen it. It, it, it. Sometimes it does get out of hand, but it is the time that we're in. You got to win quickly, and there's still a lot of pressure to win quickly. And if you don't do it, and, and I look I, – I'll I put it this way, Charles. Some social media uh, pages, I just – I can't even stay on there too long because there's a lot of whining, disappointment. Uh, the sky is falling and, and they have a right to, to feel that way. Just like I have a right to feel like I, I've had enough of that. And after three or four minutes, I'm gone. I try to look at uh, what's ahead and the positive, but you can't stop someone literally from voicing their opinions, you know, via social media. And, and you've been yeah. in the game a long time. We didn't have social media when, when, when we first got started. So, but now it's it, 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 it's just part of the process. But uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this uh, plays out. And, and then the popularity of football and college football—it's a year-round 
it's 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 year round. So you're gonna yeah. always have conversations about it. Well, you know, APR, we haven't talked a lot about APR because we just haven't. But now with all the movement that we're seeing in college football, you're wondering, and I was thinking about this not too long ago, um, with all the movement, how is that going to impact APR? I'm sure the compliance offices all over the country are working overtime and triple time to make mm -hmm. sure that they're in APR compliance because I'm sure that the NCAA is getting back on that APR train. You know, with COVID, I think it slowed down a lot with a lot of movement due to COVID and all of that programs, you know, closed shutting down because of COVID and all of that. But I'm sure that's going to get ramped back up again as we kind of normalize things. I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, how that translates into APR impacts, if any. There might not be. You know, the kids that transfer out might not be on any aided scholarship that counts towards the numbers. Some of them might be walk-ons that transfer out that don't impact the numbers. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, the report's going to be coming out here shortly in terms of the APR numbers. And, you know, whether or not teams are on level one, level two, whatever the case, we're going to find out here very, very shortly. So hopefully not, because you don't want to see any program not be eligible for postseason play. But uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see if, if there's, you know, big time impacts, if any. And I hope not. Well, all I can say is invest in compliance, uh, support staff, dot your I's and cross your T's. And you should be all right, but but we'll see. Uh, again, that just kind of crossed my mind about the APR uh, transfer portal. Uh, we've talked about uh, NIL uh, in the past. Uh, last week, an interesting segment with Willa Brown: cost of attendance. Uh, that is very interesting. So it is the time that we're in now. <laughs> with social media added to everything. Um, before we go to our first timeout, well, we're going to be talking some SWAC conference basketball. Uh, right offhand, we'll, we'll say, preface this by saying this is still early, uh, but for uh, Alcorn State, I, I have them as a heavy favorite. Uh, boy, what a tough one uh, to open up at home and lose to uh, Jackson State, a rival, uh, Southern University. Uh, I guess I was whining and complaining about the Texas two-step. <laughs> Southern University goes in, and I put a, a, an extreme opinionated impressions on Coach Woods. They go to Texas, and it hadn't happened in, a, in, in maybe a, a while. They go to Texas and defeat Texas Southern. And Prairie View, Texas Southern, on the last second shot from three, um, is is Larry Chatterbox Hill all right? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh, he took that one hard. Uh, and then Grambling State loses to the, to me. I think they are the favorite. And then they they lose on 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 the road to Prairie View. Prairie View once again tough as usual. They're going to be heard from. And then Texas Southern picked to, to win it all on the men's side. They're behind the eight ball. But it's still early. It's still early, Charles. Yeah, it, it is early. But I think it gives you a sense in terms of how competitive it is. You you talked about Prairie View. You, you talked about Grambling. They blew a 15-point lead against Prairie View. 15-point lead on the road at PVU, and they lose the game. There were two buzzer beaters in game one. Texas Southern losing to Southern. And then, of course, our loss to uh, – 
Jackson State. We had a four-point lead with 23 seconds left and lost. That's something that, that hasn't happened since Landon Buster's gotta, been coach here. Got to gotta you know, finish, you, right, You got to get a stop. Yeah, I mean, so that that's highly unusual, you know, for that to happen. But, you know, and, and for our situation and talking with Coach Bussey, he clearly puts that loss on himself and his coaches. Um, mm-hmm. He said the players played well enough to win and hold on. But as a coach, and he took it upon himself and his assistants, we didn't put the team in the best situation uh, to finish out that game. And he and I talked with him yesterday. He said there were at least 12 situations in the last four minutes of the game that we just failed as a staff to to make the team aware of. So he's putting it on him on himself. Um, you know, there was a complete breakdown defensively. There was miscommunication on that final shot. You let the kid wide open when it hit two threes already in the second half. He nails one with four seconds left. And then Byron Joshua misses a layup at the buzzer. I mean, going hard to the rim. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of competitive games. And I'll say this, Carlos, I think it's going to be game to game. You never know what's going to happen. Eight of the 10 games that have been played so far have been decided by 10 points or less. That tells you at least early on, and like you said, it's still early, but it tells you how competitive it could be on both sides. I mean, the Lady Braves and Jackson State had seven technical fouls in that game. It was very chippy, very intense, and uh, we just missed free throws. We, we kind of put ourselves in position and then just kind of let it slip away from the free throw line, but still competitive. And I think on the women's side, I think it's very competitive there as well. So this is kind of what we expected. We kind of knew this was going to be the case early. We don't know what's going to happen going forward. But through the first week of the season, you know, a lot of intense games. And Landon Bussey told me yesterday, Texas Southern 0-2, he believes that makes them even more dangerous. So we'll we'll see how that evolves as time rolls on. Yeah, because this time next week, it could be a, a totally different feeling, a different take. But again, it's, it, it's early on. And, and, and for Southern University – Pretty much last year, they they were doing pretty well until the last three-fourths of the season in conference play. So, yeah, you're happy with the victory. It's a good start, but there's plenty of basketball left to be played. And that's why I'm being cautiously optimistic with all this game. We'll, we'll kind of look at some of the standings, and, and, and again, we'll say because it's early on, sometimes you don't want to look at the standings after just the opening week, but they played what Monday, Wednesday for some, and then they're playing again Saturday and Monday. So a, a, a lot of games being played, played. Yeah. They're young, young legs, young heart. They can handle it, but that is still a lot of games to start off the conference season. Then it, it'll kind of balance off. So maybe after the third weekend, uh, we'll, we'll see, but for, um, for Southern University, FAMU and Bethune-Cookman, Saturday and Monday, they went on the Texas two-step. So winning on the road, that's the recipe, at least winning half the games on the road and, and pretty much playing at a 100% at home and winning all of your home games. That'll put you in a position uh, to be successful. A lot of basketball left to be played. We'll take our first time out. We'll get a little bit more into the basketball Opening conference play scheduled to join with Coach Van Petaway. Charles, it's going to be interesting to see what his take. Alabama and them, Alabama State, off the good start on both sides. Should be a very competitive season, as you stated. You're watching the Coles Brown Show right here 
on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return. to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. I get the now bar, please. One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it.
one bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah. It's ballpark season. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture I don't know if I, I may, I, I probably would have to have some earplugs in going in, <laughs> in that in that, in that band room, and I'm sure every band room is like that on HBCU campuses and others. Wow, it's it's loud just listening to it. <laughs> so just think about being in there, but you gotta love it, the HBCU uh, culture. As you can see, we're joined by Coach Van Petaway here on the Coles Brown Show. And, of course, Charles Etman. Coach Petaway, good morning to you. Happy New Year. Good morning, uh, Carlos. Happy New Year to you guys. And it is a happy uh, New Year for swag basketball play in the conference. Uh, we've said it several times, albeit early. Um, it has been – it's off to a good start. Teams winning on the road, can you uh, – win half your games or more on the road can you uh, win at home and that'll put yourself in a position to be in championship play coach your thoughts on the opening one two three it's gonna be four games in the first week a little over a week but your what's your thoughts on the opening conference play well, the, the, the biggest thing and the most glaring thing is that teams toward the bottom were able to defend their home court. And I'm talking about uh, Alabama A&M uh, and uh, Alabama State. You know, they, they were teams that the coaches didn't pick very high, and they, they were able to defend their home court. And then when you look at it, the, the teams that were picked at the top, uh, they didn't do as well. Um, when, when you look at what Texas Southern did, what – Prairie View did, you expect them to defend their home courts, and that and that didn't happen. So that's going to throw this thing in an upheaval. And then I didn't expect Bethune-Cookman to go on the road and beat Florida a and I, I, I definitely didn't, didn't see that one coming. And and I'm, on, I'm talking about on the men's side. And then on, right. on, on the ladies' side, on, on the women's side, uh, you know, it, it was more about 
the way they really predicted it. Alabama A&M defended their home court. Alabama State, which was picked, uh, I think, second on the women's side, they defended. And then, of course, uh, you had the great games, like like the game at Alcorn on the women's side. You know, I think that went down to the wire. So um, I, I think you're, going, you, you're seeing the parity in, in the SWAC. And it, it, to me, it just means it's going to be a great season. We, we're in store for some great basketball. And with Alabama A&M winning their first two games and now going on the road, we're going to see how, you know, how tough they are because they got to go into Alcorn today. And that's going to be a very big test for them uh, to be able to, to win on the road at one of the toughest places for me now. I'm not talking about the other coaches, <laughs> but it was, always, it was always a tough place for me to play. Uh, uh, go, going into uh, uh, the, the the Whitney, the, the, hey, hey, that that was a Whitney trap down there, boy. Because they really got out. <laughs> no, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that they play so they always played so hard. They always mm-hmm. played so hard. They really got after you. Uh, to, so to go into the Whitney complex, uh, you got to be ready to play. And, and you know, Charles, and maybe you can help me on this. Uh, officially, what's the name of the uh, is it the Whitney, David Whitney Complex? Is it a gymnasium or is it a, a arena? Now, and I, now, hold on, Alcorn State people, don't don't jump me and send me nasty email. Um, Charles, what is it official? Is it arena or gymnasium? The Davy L. Whitney Arena. Now, Coach Petaway, doesn't it look like a more like a gym? It, it's unique. It's tough to play there. It, it looks like a huge – you know what? It reminds me of Vanderbilt. That's the only example I can you – know, the, the way the setting is. Am I just being – trying to just be funny? But it, it looks like a big, 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 huge gym. I'm wrong about that? But, well, at Vanderbilt, no. I, see, I wouldn't use Vanderbilt on, for the simple mm-hmm. reason that the, the uh, benches are on the, at the end of the court. You know, that's yeah. what makes Vanderbilt unique. Uh, at, at, at Vanderbilt, and, and when we were coaching, they still they wouldn't let you go. The coaches have more latitude now. You can go almost, mm-hmm. you can walk all the way around the half court because before you would leave out a Vanderbilt horse because when your team went away from your the, the, your basket in, that you're sitting under, you had to scream to get anything out. You know, we as a staff, we had to get together in unison to call out stuff for our kids to hear, but now they allow the coaches or the coach, the head coach, to walk around almost to half court now. And that makes a big mm-hmm. difference at Vanderbilt. Whereas it went at, 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 uh, down at Alcorn, I think the intimate atmosphere with the fans being right there on you, that's what Maybe gave that's them. What it is. Right, right. They, that's what gave you gave them an advantage. It, see, now it, I'm gonna be honest. It reminds me of Elmore because the fans are right mm. on top of you. And then that and and then when you get a couple of them them jokers in there that, that really want to get under your skin, you hear everything because they're right there. So so that's what to me, that's what made it so tough. And then you add in the fact that they always had talent. You had oh, the yeah. talent in there with them people on top of you. Yeah, it it, it was rough in there. It, it gave me some headaches. That's one of the only places where, uh, as a coach, I had in, in that arena, I had a losing record. I could not get out of there. It was tough. Uh, I had a losing <laughs> record against Coach Whitney now, against Coach mm-hmm. Whitney, against everybody else. 
you know, I, I was okay, but but uh, it, it's tough, and I think it's the fans, and I think that I think they're saying the same thing in football. Their fans just give them a great home field and home court advantage, and that's yeah. what you got to have. That that's what that's what basketball is all about. That's what uh, being an alumnus of a HBCU is all about. You having pride and respect, no matter who you're playing. You come out and you support these kids, and that's what you get at Alcorn. Now, the downside to that, what what we all, what a lot of the people always say, well, that's all they got to do down there is go and support Alcorn, you know, because of their location. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Charles, I guess I need to try to rephrase it. it it's a unique. It, it it to me, it has the feeling of uh, of a huge gym. And I, maybe I didn't do a good job of uh, 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 explaining it. Albeit it, it's an arena, but it is one tough to 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 play in uh, tremendously. We'll we'll, we'll get uh, Coach Petaway back back in. But uh, I, I guess, Charles, I will uh, get some interesting um, email after that. Uh, <laughs> those comments about um, the Whitney Complex. It to, to me, again, it's just arena, yes. Officially, it's arena, but it it has a feel of uh, uh, intimate place. And I guess Coach Petaway uh, said it much better than I did. It, it reminds him of Elmore uh, Gymnasium. Yeah, the fans Not are, the I mean, the fans are right there behind you. And we and we make a lot of noise. I mean, the band mm -hmm. used to sit behind the, the, the visiting bench. They sit uh, on the opposite side now. And so it when the place is packed, when it's half full, it's it's a very tough place to play with the band going and the fans going. And and even though school was not in session, school won't be in session until uh, I think 10 days from now. Um, wow. So it was a tough situation in terms of getting students this time of year. Um, but it was a great atmosphere for your number one rival game. And I was really proud of the fans that came out, some of the students that came out. Because this, this time of year is tough because school's not in session in a lot of our places. So it's, right. it's really, you know, this is where the community has to step up and step in. And I thought they did a real nice job. I think folks were just looking for something to get into, you know, with football being over with. So I thought it was a great atmosphere. And, and for Coach Petaway, I mean, hey, I was there when Coach Petaway and Coach Whitney butted heads. And I think what added to the to the excitement was you had two fiery, passionate, fire and brimstone coaches going head to head, tooth and nail, without giving an inch. And I think that passion, that energy, that intensity spilled out onto the court. So you had intense ball games between those two. And I think fans saw that and fans wanted to see that. You got you got two Hall of Fame coaches there, won a lot of games. So I think that's what added to the intrigue when Coach Petaway was there is the fact that he didn't give an inch, Coach Whitney didn't give an inch, neither team gave an inch, and that passion, people like that. People enjoy that. And that added to – it wasn't a rivalry, but it was an entertaining and an intense ball game between those two, Alabama A&M and Alcorn, when Coach Petaway was there. Right. Wow. And, and then, uh, uh, Carlos, the other thing, too, is that once the game was over with, the respect was there because he was a mentor. Yeah. Co uh, Coach Whitney, uh, he was one of the first people to uh, uh, take me under their wings when I got into the SWAC. And, uh, I, you know, to this day, he, he and Coach Job are probably 
uh, influenced me off the court more than any, than any other coaches that I've been around. Yeah, and, and boy, listen to you guys talk about it. And 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 to me, <laughs> Coach Joe was interesting. Probably, and let me just say this, Coach Petaway, you were my favorite coach, opposing coach that came into the F.G. Clark Activity Center. Charles was right, passionate, fiery. I I remember sitting there one time. I was like, my goodness. <laughs> you're going to be coached well because you were so intense and I'd see you even when you're winning you were so intense and in getting on players but then when that whistle blow to get back to action a simple little pop on the behind or the shoulder I say that that's a good guy and so I, I, I'm lucky to have you to come on the show and when I reached out to you because boy you're talking about intense but see I love intensity I, I really do but uh Coach, you, you look at Ben Job and some of the coaches that you, you coached against, and now the coaches in the league now. Uh, swag basketball, very good. And, and back to this right. race, Coach, it's early on, but, man, uh, Coach Smith at Prairie View, intense. Now, to me, he reminds me of you as far as the intensity in, in a team that preached preaches and, and plays outstanding defense. Alcorn plays outstanding defense. Right, Coach right. At, 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 at Southern. So I, I think some of the fans that you talk to, they're kind of used to the, the, the up-tempo, up-tempo, up-tempo. But I think now this league, the teams are very good defensively. Am I, am I way off on that? No, no, I, I think you're right. They're putting more emphasis on it. You look at Coach Bussey won with his defensive intensity last year. He he won because they turned people over, which created easier baskets. Texas Southern, they've been consistent over the years because of the defensive end. When Coach Woods jumps out on you, it's because of defense. And what they're going to see now with Coach Hughley at AM, he's mm -hmm. coming in there mix, mixing things up on the defensive mm -hmm. end. And they're creating turnovers, and I, and I think that's why they're in the mix. So we've got some outstanding coaches in this league uh, from from top to bottom. So and 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 Coach Ivory, he's back at at Mississippi Valley. Do you realize that they did not uh, make them come out of that zone to the last four minutes of the basketball game the other night? So he's wow. he's still applying that defensive pressure. Oh. He's oh. making oh. people shoot from the perimeter. So you all better get ready for Mississippi Valley now, Coach. Coach Ivory is no joke. He's, he's still got that defensive presence. And I, I think that's what makes SWAC basketball so great. Uh, guys, and particularly you, Coach Petaway, um, I, I didn't give the scores in the early part, but I'm going to tie it all in. Um, Southern goes on the road. Are you surprised that they were able to go in? And, and Because that Texas two-step, you know, during the break, I said, Coach, how can – and, and here I go. Let me give you a warning. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm complaining and whining about Southern playing <laughs> in Texas to start off every conference season. I don't think it's going to change, Coach. But are you surprised that they go into uh, uh, Texas and defeat Texas Southern 70 to, to um, 60? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the women's side. I am totally sorry. Um, they go in and defeat Texas Southern in Prairie View. Uh, are you surprised well, 77 to 76 in overtime against Texas Southern? No, because they normally play well on, uh, out in, on, in Texas. You know, I think if we're not, if I'm not mistaken, they did the same thing uh, with, well, with, they did it 
they play those two teams tough. That, mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. So, no, it did not surprise me because when you look back at, at the history of Coach Woods being there, there's just something about playing Texas that they seem like they, they, they put a little more into it and, and they play those teams well. All corn at home. Uh, they lost. And that Graham, shocked me. Graham and drops a game. Mm-hmm. I was go surprised ahead, that I was surprised that Jackson. I mean that Jackson State was able to go into Alcorn and win that game. I didn't expect that. That that was one that was I, I didn't see coming. And and I don't know if if Alcorn just had a, a an off night, or is Jackson better than what they've shown in the preseason? Charles, well, I'll say this, Carlos. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say this. You know, with the way we were playing defense for most of the game, we had a six, seven, eight-point lead, and it felt like we were up 20 because even though it's a close game on the scoreboard, we we had control of the game. And then in the last four minutes, we fouled a kid in the act of shooting a three, gets three free throws. We had some defensive breakdowns. We had a 10-second call in the backcourt. Just some some small things, and as we talked about it early on before you came on, Coach Bussey took that loss on himself. He felt like as a coach and his staff didn't put the team in the best situation in the last four minutes to close out the game. We missed a couple of front ends of one and ones that you know we missed some key free throws down the stretch. So just some little things, and you know once the game gets into this up into the sixties, offensively. You know, that's about as much as we can do. I mean, I'm not saying we can't win a game scoring 65 or 70, but we we put so much pressure on this team defensively, you just wonder how much gas is left in the tank. You know, we we, we right. talk about the old school coaches, and you talked about Landon Bus. He kind of reminds me of you and Coach Whitney. I mean, I just left right. shoot around a little while ago, and he's he's in it. He's in it. Right. I mean, he's in game time mode already two, and a, two hours before tip-off because he understands the importance of these next two games. You start out 0-2 and 0-3, and and then you got to go to Texas next week. So these games are are critical right now for the defending regular season champs. But we just didn't close out the game, Coach. Uh, Four-point lead with 23 seconds left at home. you got to close the deal. And uh, you got to give the kid credit for Jackson State. He hit a deep three. There was a defensive breakdown, miscommunication from what they saw on film. So, you know, you got you to ship your hat to Jackson State for hanging in there because they could have folded the tent and could have went home, but they didn't. And we kind of let them hang around, too. So a combination of a number of things that happened in the last four or five minutes the other night. And give and give um, congratulations and kudos to Jackson State to come in, and they were confident enough to say, hey, we hang around. We know who we're playing. It's a rival. And um, they they did they did a good job. So I, I just want to give congratulations to uh, uh, Jackson State a, a, as well, guys. Um, this recap from January the second. Let me do this uh, on the women's side. Of course, it was Jackson State fifty nine, Alcorn State forty nine, Alabama State over Valley seventy six to sixty five. It was Bethune Cookman. Oh boy. Over FAMU, 85-50. I'm really shocked. Wait a minute. 35-point victory against your rival? That cannot sit well. Cannot. Alabama A&M over Arkansas Pine Bluff, 67-58. It was Southern over Texas Southern, 70-62. And Texas Southern has really struggled on on the women's side. And then, of course, 
it was Grambling State over Prairie View, 66 to 60. And that, that was on the women's side, January the 2nd. Uh, January the 4th, guys, Alabama State over Arkansas Pine Bluff, 72 to 63. It was uh, Grambling State over Texas Southern, 76 to 69. And then Southern lost in overtime to Prairie View and them. Uh, Coach Pugh, of course, excited. Spent many, many, many years at Southern University. So they're able to get that done. And for the uh, Lady Jags, they go one and one on this trip. I mean, that's what you you hope for. On the men's side, they won both on the road. But uh, the race now is off. Uh, I, 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 again, Charles, and I, I think it's going to be a week-by-week week thing. I mean, what happened this week, you can't rest on that. You have to look forward to the next week. And then the next week, you got to play it one week at a time. I was told Carlos that Sean Woods heard heard your comments, you know, put put oh, the pressure on, on, and they and, and they responded. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Sean Woods cares about what I have to, what I have to say. <laughs> but you know, uh, but yeah, but, no, but, but, no, go ahead. No, I was gonna say on the on the women's side, you know, you got a big game today. Bama State and Jackson State, two team that played for the tournament uh, championship last year. You know, Freda Jackson has got that team in a whole different mindset. You talk about a good front court with the bigs that they have. You know, Misha Williams Holiday is no longer at Jackson State, but as Nate Kilbert told me, and I saw it with my own eyes, they're a tougher team to defend now because they've got multiple bigs that can get it done. And I think they as a team, knowing that they just can't dump the ball inside to Misha and, and let her go to work, other players have to step up, and and that's what happened, in part the other night. Um, I think we I think we kind of got outside of ourselves, got a little chippy. There were seven technical fouls called. You know, we're not the type of team that's just gonna you know that's gonna do a lot of talking. But that's what happened in a rivalry game. It was intense. There's no question about that. But we hurt ourselves from the free throw line. You know, as we tried to get back into the game. But I I do think though that you know Bama State's gonna be a team to watch. I think Jackson State's still going to, you know, they're the defending tournament, regular season champs. They've done it. But I think it's a different team than what we've seen in the past. And without Doriana Lewis at Alabama a and I'm anxious to see now how a and going to look with without that presence in the middle. So I think on the women's side, a lot of interesting storylines as well. You know, Southern let one get away. We'll see Renette Skeet, the head coach at Texas Southern, in her first year. She played her ball here at Alcorn. Talk with her, you know, back in the summer. So I'm interested to see how Texas Southern kind of get, get gets it going as well as, and as you talked about, Bethune-Cookman in Florida and I mean, that's a shocker to say the least. So a lot to talk about on the women's side as well. Well, I still believe Jackson State is a team to beat. And, and look, it's a rival game against Alcorn State. And then also, uh, Coach, maybe you can elaborate on this. Jackson State is going to – they, they've been dominant the last couple of years. They're going to get everybody's best shot, whether it's the 12th place team or the second place team. And I still believe Coach Reed, she, at the end of the day, she has what it takes to have that Jackson State team, team there. Do I expect 30-point wins in the conference every time they go out on the court? No, because they're going to get everybody's best shot. But um, I, I still believe Jack State it, women 
they're the team to to beat, and I'm not swayed one iota from that. Right, I, I agree with you. They, she's still got enough in the tank. She's got enough coming back to where that roster is still loaded. They still got some nice players on that team. So, uh, and her with her style of play, I think that they they are the team to beat on the women's side. The other teams that they've got they got to come up to where Jackson State. States, uh, the Lady Tigers are because they they are ready to play. They got a good good team. They got now, Woodard, and those, those ladies coming back, and they they got to be ready to play. Yeah, and, and, and guys, you know some of the intense battles. Perhaps, of course, they're still going to want to get the number one spot. Based on predictions, it's always going to be interesting who's going to be second, who's going to be first, who's going to get. Uh, and third, the middle of the pack. I, I've heard the word uh, parity mentioned uh, on this show so far, and I think that it, that is true. It's going to be very, very uh, competitive. Uh, you know, guys, in the past we've talked about maybe after about three or four playing dates, weekends, is that going to be a, a time to, to, to assess and give us a good gauge on how the conference race is going to go, or should we just – continue to look at week in by weekend with, with the race on both sides. I would well, say Carlos. Hey, that, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. For, for, for me, Carlos, I like to divide the season into thirds. It's 18 conference right. games. So the first six games is kind of where teams like on a boxing match, you kind of feel each other out. So for me, the first six games is kind of where I kind of look at and say, okay, here's what we got. Here's what teams have. Here's what they don't have. And then from there, the second third, you kind of put it in place. And then the, the next third, that's where you see the contenders from the pretenders. So the first six games to me of the 18 game marathon, that's kind of what I look at. And so it's, it's way early. I mean, we got a couple of guys injured for the day. You know, we might get them back uh, for Monday and going forward. So it's it's still early yet. But, yeah, I like to divide the season up into thirds. So this is the first third for me, and I'm just kind of seeing what's, what's what is kind of hard to determine right now. But that's kind of how I like to look at it. Right. And before the addition of the other teams, I would say you take it to the turn. You know, by the time you, you made the turn, you would know where, where you are. But but now with with the, uh, the additional teams and additional games, he's right. You 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 divide it up into thirds, and then you'll see where everybody is. So it's still early. It's still early. The the uh, the contenders will be able to separate themselves from the pretenders uh, by that second third. And, and I also and, add this, Carlos, uh, real, yeah. real quick. You know the scheduling is different now. You don't play everybody twice. There's some teams you only play once. And so I think that adds another level of dynamic. You know, we're only going to see Southern once. We're only going to see Grambling once. We're going to see the FAMU and Bethune-Cookmans twice. And so, you know, you have to look at that. So I think that plays a little factor in it too because the team that you only see once early in the year, you might not see again until the tournament perhaps. And so teams change up, players go down teams change so i think that, that adds a little extra you know dynamic to it in the past you're playing teams twice you get a good feel but some teams you're only playing once in a, in a season so that adds another level of uh, drama perhaps to it especially on the back end when you get into the tournament right because i, I remember last year of course uh southern uh played bethune cookman and fam you a total 
of you know four times home and away. Last year they went to Bethune and FAMU. This this weekend they're coming here, and so I'm assuming Southern is going to make a return trip to yeah uh, 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 Florida and. You know, no divisions <laughs> in basketball per se. So yeah, to, to your point, only going to see all corn. With that being said, Coach Petaway, um, Saturday and Monday's game. Which games stand out to you uh, this 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 weekend? Well, I'm gonna be honest. I, I'm looking forward to the A and M all corn game because I, mm-hmm. I want to really see where Alabama A and M is uh, in terms of them being able to. Uh, to play, and then of course on the women's side, I got Alabama, Alabama State and Jackson State. That that's the game. That's the game to watch on the women's side because I think those will be two teams that, when it's all said and done, I, I think they'll be toward the top on the women's side. And 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 my and, and my my reasoning for Alcorn and A and M, we, we're trying to figure out right now is A and M a pretender or a contender. That's why I'm going with that because. Alcorn after losing that that other home that home game against Jackson State, I think that they'll that'll put a little more fire in their belly and, and they're gonna come out and play uh t- today against uh, Alabama AM. So seeing where Alabama AM, those are the two games that, that I'm looking forward to. Sounds like Alcorn's gonna be in a nasty mood. <laughs> coming up coming up the, the day after a loss. And, and, and coach, do we put too much emphasis? Or what's the feeling? You've been in this position. Um, you're picked near the top, and then, wow, right out the gate, your first conference game, you lose. Have you been in that position before when you were yes. coaching? And if, and if oh, you yes. do, Coach Federway say yes. And then how <laughs> how how do you do you respond? You, you, you don't panic, but you do what? No, it's only one game, and that's what you tell your team. Okay, fellas, we made some mistakes uh, as a coaching staff. We didn't put you in the right position. That won't happen again. And what I would tell my players, if you don't get outplayed, I'm not going to get outcoached. I promise you that. And, 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 and that's what you put on them. That's just one game. Alcorn can certainly bounce back from this. They can take a game that they didn't think they were going to take on the road to make up for it. That's all you have to do. That's the mentality that you have to have with your staff and your players. And so – that's just one little game. It, w- it was a close game. They lost that toward the end. So they got a lot to build on with that game. And, Coach, we I know in football we talk about the home field advantage. In, in basketball, is there more pressure? I can't think of a better term. Playing at home, are, are the players more relaxed? And then on the road, it's, it's us against the world mentality. Is it easier to coach it on the road compared to at home? No, no, I I take home any day, because when you got to go into some of the places we had to go, but every waiting on you. So no, no, uh, coach coaching at home is always easier. Uh, your kids are everything is familiar with you. You you have familiarity, whereas on the road anything can happen, anything could change. Uh, now you have more togetherness on the road because it's just you and your players, but you got to be ready to play. Uh, especially at home because of the pressure from your fans uh, and the pressure you put on yourselves. Well, you know, Landon Bussey has talked about this a little bit, Carlos. I've talked to him about that in terms of playing at home and on the road. 
course, the last two years, we played every road game in non-conference on the road. You come home for a couple of days and you're on the road again. And he talked about the fact that he likes being on the road because you have more control of your team on the road. You got curfew. You know, you can circle the wagons. You can tighten it up on the road because it's just it's just yourselves. At home, yes. And he really praised the fans and the supporters and the alumni that text him after the Jackson State loss, tell him to hang in there. And I was a tough, you know, appreciated. Yeah. They loved the atmosphere. And it was a great atmosphere the other night. Um, but for him, he likes the road because he feels like you have more control. When you're at home, you got to deal with the dorms and you got, you know, I mean, your kids go to the cafeteria. I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do, but on the road is a little bit tighter. You're on the bus. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, you love being at home and you got a home court advantage. But when you're on the road, you got to really tighten it up. The focus has to be there because if not, you're going to get the doors blown off of you on the road if you don't come ready to play. So I think for Coach Bussy, he loves the road, but I think he's liking now at home, especially with our schedule with the first three at home, even though we dropped the first one the other night. We got a chance to bounce back, and he's he's disappointed. He said there's 17 more to go, but these next two are must-wins before we go to Texas next week. Yeah, well, good luck on that Texas two-step. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I'm at, who, who, can, who can I talk to? Who can I talk to in the conference office to, to, to mix it up a little bit? My goodness. It's always Texas Southern and per, per review. <laughs> Not going to happen. Now, oh, I know. Look, I, I'll have a better chance of becoming a monk in Tibet. How about that? Oh, my. You all know huh? there are going to be some changes coming. Uh, you know, they're already talking about expanding the, bat, the uh, field for basketball for next year. Now, not this year. I and, saw and that. Yeah, there, there are a lot of big changes coming down the pipe. Uh, for basketball, because I think one of the things that will affect us, they probably will go with all conference champions as automatic qualifiers as a whole. That's my opinion. Mm. Now. Uh, wait, wait, I, minute. wait a minute, wait a minute, Coach Petaway. That's regular season, right? Or tournament? Oh, I think Coach Petaway froze up. Let me do this because I, I want to know that. Uh, <laughs> we got to get yeah. back on that. Let, let, let me let me do this. Let's go to a timeout. And we're going to add another person to the discussion, a, 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 a sitting AD, a former athlete. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up the conversation. Well, isn't it going to be funny if I'm a, a monk in Tibet? Charles, that's that, that would be. That would be hilarious, yes. Yeah, well, I already have the shave head, so I'll be right We'll take a time out when we come back. We're going to add Wheeler Brown to the conversation. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. <laughs> You're halfway there, Carlos. You're halfway there. <laughs> All right. I think, I think we're still – are we still live? Let's see. How you guys doing today? Doing fine, Wheeler Brown. What's going on? I uh, can't complain. Can't complain. Over here at uh, Savannah State today, we got a uh, we got a doubleheader over there at Savannah State today. So, yeah, yeah. I had to get on the road this morning, but 
It's all good. Tell, tell, tell Montez Robinson I said, what's up? I sure will. I most certainly will. You got to get got to get back on track. We dropped one to miles the other the other night and uh wasn't too happy about that. But uh 5 oh, and 2 wow. in the conference, so you know, not not doing bad. Rolling along. Yeah. His first couple of years at Alcorn, he had one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country. I mean, we were leading the nation that's in three-point shooting. What he was saying. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he was. I mean, he, she could dad, and he had the players shoot the cover off that thing early on. He wow. really did. Mm. Yeah, mm. he he did. Mm-hmm. He likes up tempo. He he likes to keep the pressure yeah, on. Yeah, he does. Charles. Yeah, he does. Charles. Uh huh. Everyone, be silent. Oh, hold on. I... Like in Romans 3, see, we bout to blow across the world just like a day that's breezy. This motivation for the people when we talk about the teachings. Hey, 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 Motivation. Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. It's like a loot machine. Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. 
You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSM Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. Wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton, Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Um, I'm reminded of sometimes you have to make adjustments, and that's what we're we're going to do. Thanks for the text messages, loyal watchers of the Carlos Brown Show. I'm Carlos Brown, John by Charles Edmund, Coach Van Petaway, and uh, Willa Brown. Sitting AD at <laughs> Fort Valley State. Coach Petaway, uh, you were bringing up an interesting point uh, about what the NCAA is going to do that's going to affect college basketball. Can you continue that point, sir? And then we'll uh, add uh, Wheeler to uh, this conversation. Do we have you, Coach Petaway? Uh, well, I guess we'll get him back. Wheeler? Happy New Year to yes. you, sir. How you doing? I'm fine. Happy New Year to all you gentlemen. Well, you, you, you. Uh, same to you. You, you heard the kind of conversation that we were um, having with uh, Coach Petaway uh, that the NCAA uh, they're going to make some adjustments as far as uh, the basketball uh, tournament. Uh, well, you you would hope that it, it would provide more opportunities for us. Uh, but you don't know, you know, what the meal is going to taste like until after it's finished cooking. So, you know, we got to wait for the NCAA to finish cooking and, you know, <laughs> put it on the table. <laughs> and then we'll see, kind of see what happens from there. <laughs> uh, that, that's an interesting way uh, to put it because, uh, and, and hopefully we'll be joined back shortly uh, from Coach Petaway. I, I did kind of 
uh, saw the article. I didn't get a chance to read it in its entirety. Um, but it sounded like Coach Petaway was saying, "What?" Well, I guess I'm trying to get cleared up. Was it the conference regular season champions or the tournament champions? And he was mentioned about automatic bid. Can someone help me out? I don't. I, I believe. I believe they're talking about the tournament champion. I, okay. I can't imagine the. Well, I mean, probably could be a scenario where your conference regular season champion would, would get an automatic bid, but it seemed like it would take some of the flavor out of the conference tournaments, you know, that that are hyped up and, you know, that, that are played on a, on a yearly basis. So it's kind of hard to imagine that uh, they would just take the conference regular season champion. I mean, even though, you know, in some instances that would probably be great because, you know, it puts a lot of emphasis on the regular season. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I think it, it would take away some of the luster from the conference tournaments, you know, which are in a, in a lot of instances big money makers and, and things of that nature. So I, I don't know. Well, um, you know, me, 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 and Charles Edmund has had we've had debates. Uh, must be five, six, seven, eight years now, uh, and that's why I didn't get too excited. I'm gonna go back and read the article in its entirety because I have been a proponent of the conference champions, but I know I'm in the minority on that, and I know the tournament champions. You know, it makes money for most conferences, but I, I don't know if we can put our our conference in, in, in that making a, a great deal of money or financially being mm-hmm. uh, viable, but I'm not sure it may have may have changed. Uh, but we're, we're going to also talk uh, with you about uh, alumni uh, giving back. Um, you look at some of the uh, basketball attendants and some of the fans are saying how, once again, how can we get more uh, fans behinds in the seats for its basketball. We all, we all know we're in a geographical area that football is the king and this, and it gets much of the, uh, you know, the fanfare for lack of a better term with football, but, but, but college basketball at at one point in our conversation, I mean, with a rich tradition and history, um, SIAC, CIAA as well. Um, what will it take? And I know that's probably going to be a, a, a very long answer, but if you can, what are some of the things right offhand that we can do to, to, to get the attendance back up as far as I mean, I, I, basketball? I, I think the dynamics, I think the dynamics are what the dynamics are at the, at the end of the day uh, in the South. Mm-hmm. You know, football is king. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. And I, I think basketball is always going to play a second fiddle uh, in the South. I think further north, uh, uh, basketball, there are more uh, interests, so to speak, that sort of thing. So I, I think geographically it's going to kind of be what it, what it is. But uh, I think we as institutions – probably have to do a lot more in terms of, I don't know if giveaways are the proper word, that sort of thing, but 
Yeah, we we gotta entice our fans more uh, to come into our arenas. You know, whether we're being creative and doing two for ones or uh, letting kids in free and you know having the parents pay. Uh, you know, there there are a few things that that we can do, but I think overall the dynamics are pretty much what the what the dynamics are. And it's going to be difficult to try to uh, overcome that. You know, if we think that you know, in the South that basketball is going to overtake football in terms of attendance and things of that nature, it's, it's a nice uh, uh, brass ring to try to reach for. But I don't know that we grab that ring at the end of the day. I, I think we just want to build on the numbers that we do have and uh you know and kind of kind of see what happens from there not to be satisfied with the way things are right. don't get me wrong but just understand the dynamics and you know what what that entails so that you don't get your hopes up real high and you know get a face full of egg at the at the end of the day but but you would agree and i understand what you're saying you would agree that we, you know you have to improve it and it has to get better Albeit it will, it won't reach the uh, the excitement of, of of football, right? But you would agree. Yeah, and and winning and winning cures all. And no no doubt about that. And winning cures all. You know, well, I mean, I, I would I would think that Carlos, if you if you weren't two and ten going into conference play, you know, if you were ten and two or eleven and one. You know, I, I would think that the interest level would be a lot higher, uh, you know, on your particular campuses, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of, in a lot of instances, we're the victim to trying to go out there and get that money. You know, there's a flip side to it because, you know, your record is going to be what your record is. And, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. people, a lot of people aren't going to look at that aspect of it, they're just going to look at the record and say, well, why go see so-and-so? You know, they've only won two out of 12 games this year so far, that sort of thing. And so, you know, we, we're a victim of our own systems pretty much when it comes to that. You know, and, and I think winning has a lot to do with it. Yeah, well, in that case, Charles will make the <clears throat> argument that, you know, coaches will be – critiqued judge on what they do in their in their conference and so charles you're you're not saying disregard the 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 non-conference but they're they're, they're going to be they're going to be critiqued on one winning the regular season or winning that conference uh, tournament championship correct yeah, yeah, I think that's you know I don't know if a coach in the Southwestern Athletic Conference in basketball has been fired in the first week in January. I don't think it's ever happened. And I think it's it's kind of understood that, you know, you're, you're being, you know, forced in a way to play these big games, to bring in the big money, and therefore your record is going to be like Wheeler Brown. Your record's going to be what it's going to be. And so, therefore, people don't get excited about that. And I think fans understand it to a certain point. We've talked about not playing as many of these games, but it's a necessary evil. But I will say this about fan attitudes in this conference. I think, and this is this is just Charles Edmonds' opinion. I don't think SWAC fans get into SWAC basketball until after the Super Bowl, 
And I say that because, yeah, after the Super Bowl, because football dominates the conversation even now. You know, the Super Bowl's second week in February, whatever it is, you've gotten through football signing day. Uh, you've gotten through the Super Bowl. What else is there after that? Basketball. So fans right now are talking about, you know, the early signing period still, you know, dealing with that. Signing period, first week in February, they're talking about that. You're talking about who's going to be the quarterback at all corners, Southern, Dooley, McNair, all that's going to be talked about still. And once you get through signing day, once you get through the Super Bowl, then there's a little dead spot in terms of those sports, football especially. So now you're like, okay, let's see what's happening with white basketball. So now people get ramped up for that. You go through February and then March Madness hits, then the SWAC basketball tournament, then people are in it. I mean, this is just, I might be wrong about this, but unless you have your rival games, like what we had all corn Jackson State, you have Bethune, Cookman, Florida, A&M, you know, a few days ago. I think, you know, you're not going to have the the sizzle that you would typically have. So, and I, you know, people can feel the way they want to feel about it, and it's fine. But I think until you, you know, football's king, and we're going to still talk about it, but until football kind of gets out of the way, which it never really does, I do think that, you know, swag basketball will have its place. And come March, I think fans will be truly in it. And I think it'll be a topic of conversation until basketball season is over with. That's just that's just my opinion. I think the rival games in swag basketball draw a lot of attention. Jackson State Allcorn, for example, Southern Allcorn, Southern Jackson, Southern Grambling. Those type of games will generate attention for that particular Saturday. But other than that, those Monday night games are tough because folks have to work. Um, attendance drops on Monday nights. And I think the creativity that Wheeler Brown talked about in terms of generating attendance, especially for the Monday night games, I think Saturday games, it could be better, but I think it's okay. Monday night games are the challenge. And so, you know, you're playing them at 5.30, 7.30, that's tough. Folks are getting off work those type of things. That's the challenge. Now, on Saturdays, we used to have 5.30, 7.30 on Saturdays. But I think to generate more fans, we move up some of these games. Most of them now are early. You know, we're playing at 2 and 4, you know, today. And our next so on Monday, we'll be playing at, at 4 o'clock, you know, at 5 o'clock instead of 5.30 to try to generate, you know, more fans earlier. Start time, you can get on the road earlier. So these are just top of the the difficult dynamics and questions that we have to deal with. And hopefully at some point, you know, basketball attendance will increase. But I also think it's a different dynamic too in terms of the play. You know, back in the day, you had the Avery Johnsons and the Carlos Samples and the Lindsey Hunters of the world filling up 25 a game. That generated the excitement, that generated the buzz. You don't have that. You don't have that, unfortunately. You don't have that sizzle. You know, we're, we're looking at Garrett Hicks today, averaging 16 a game, number two in the league in conference. Hopefully that'll generate a good attendance at the Whitney Arena today. But it's a different dynamic. The coaches, Van Petaway was fiery, Davey Whitney, you know, Ben, the late Ben Job, all that generated back in the day more fan interest. But you just don't have that now. You just don't have that today. Hopefully some of that will come back with the coaches that we have and some of the players that we have. But back in the day, it's a, it was a totally different dynamic. So there are a lot of things in the pot, you know, to, to really add up and to think about as we try to increase the attendance of SWAC basketball. Well, you know what I'm going to say, Wheeler? It doesn't help. <laughs> to attend, you have no interest 
you know. Um, <laughs> and, and, and and I understood how you put it out a couple of weeks ago. You you did reward the coach for making that tremendous sacrifice mm-hmm. and playing that tough schedule. But you know, I I, I try to separate. It. Okay, just the, the the fan and alumni part. I think winning. And the potential to win and having a, you remember we talked about a compromise, having a decent non-conference uh, record going into the conference, I think that would help. And then also, me personally, I like a winner. And I want to win not only in football, and I understand football is king, but I want to win in baseball. I want my team to win in basketball. I want my mm-hmm. team to win in cross country, et cetera, et cetera. I think I think Charles makes an excellent point. You know, football saturates everything. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. And, you know, up until pretty much National Signing Day, that sort of thing, the football interest is still going to be very high. You know, like Charles was saying, you know, who's signing who, you know, how many four stars or three stars is so-and-so bringing in and things of that nature. Those things are going to dominate our mindset until after all that is said and done. And then we kind of float more towards basketball. And I I think somebody was saying that, uh, you know, while a a lot of ADs say that they don't judge coaches on those uh, out-of-conference games, the guarantee games, that sort of thing, but under the table, uh, they probably kind of do. Uh, hmm. While I don't think the majority of ADs do so, I do think the regular Joe and the regular Joe Blow, regular fan, that they do. And I, I think, you know, our alums, they do. You know, I, I don't believe that they get the gist of what's going on in terms of having to have those monies uh, to help, you know, with the overall athletic programs and things of that nature. I think our people pretty much just see wins and losses. And I think sometimes at the end of the day, some of our athletic administrators kind of succumb to the whispers or the street committees or what have you in terms of folks saying, well, you know, coach so-and-so ain't this, ain't that. And, you know, he started out the year two and 10 and all that sort of thing and stuff. And, you know, sometimes the whispers get so loud that, you know, a lot of athletic administrators may succumb to that, especially if you have a president that's listening to those whispers, you know, <laughs> then those, those, those presidents are, are putting, that that idea in your mindset, uh, Mr. Brown, do you think we might need to take a look at making a change in this area, that area, that sort of thing? And and that's why, Charles, I've always said, especially as it pertains to women's basketball, because mm-hmm. when you look at it overall, there's no money in women's basketball. You know, so to ask a women's basketball coach to bring in X amount of guarantee dollars, to me, that's that's ludicrous. But I would always tell my my woman's coach, uh, uh, schedule to win. You know, hmm. I want you to have the best record possible. 
You know, uh, I'm not even concerned with how much money you're going to bring in because even if you bring in some money, it's going to be minuscule. Yeah, where the men's basketball team can probably get $80,000 from USC. That same women's team probably can't get but like maybe 15 and rooms and some pizza. You know, so to me, there's no need on the women's side to subject them to that, you know. So let your women's coaches go on out there and schedule to win. Schedule teams that they're going to win. I mean, schedule some difficulties so that, you know, if you got an opportunity to go to the tournament, you know, you got a little strength of schedule uh, uh, thing mixed in, that sort of thing. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a catch-22, Carlos. Folks say that, you know, they're not listening to – you know, the boo birds and, you know, that sort of thing and stuff. But ideally, you can't help but hear them. You know, <sighs> they're everywhere that you turn. They And they're there. I don't think that they're not, you know. And I can say I don't hear y'all, but I hear y'all when I don't hear y'all. You know, <laughs> it's just a matter of whether or not I'm going to allow you to enter my train of thought to where I'm going to act on something that, you know, you, you're going to say, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much where, where we are, I think. Well, you know, this and, is and interesting. You look at someone like Carlos, like, like Tamika Reed. Now, you know, I'm sure you followed the story. What happened last year when she played LSU that she had a 10 point mm-hmm. lead with five minutes left and let it slip away. And she talked about even last season, the challenges when you're so good and they've been so good for many years, she wants to, to bolster her strength of schedule and at the same time bring in a few dollars, as Wheeler Brown says. But those bigger teams, those teams that can pay you a good amount of guarantee, don't want to play you because no. you're too good. And if you lose that mm-hmm. game, if that if, if for example, USC, for example, if Jackson goes to Southern Cal and beats them, they'll never play them again. And so those big mm-hmm. guarantees that you will be getting there, you're not going to get again. So you have to wind up settling mm-hmm. for what you can get. And she was frustrated about that because, and that's just the price of success. That's what happens mm-hmm. when you're that good. You have a hard time getting the big money, the big mid-major game. So it works the other way too. When you're not winning, yeah, mm-hmm. you can get those games. But when you start winning, you have a hard time getting those games. And that's, you know, I don't know if she's looking at the money part of it. I'm sure she is, but she's been very successful. And I'm just using her as an example because she, mm-hmm. she's been winning for quite a period of time. So I think, you know, it works mm-hmm. the other way, too. You know, Wheeler Brown would mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, just get get what you can get. But I think Coach Reed wants to to get have her cake and eat it, too. She wants the guarantees. Mm-hmm. She wants the big schedule. She wants to win the games. But when you're winning, mm-hmm. teams don't want to. You know, they're going to back away from you. You're going to get what you can get on the lower end of the food chain, which is not as mm-hmm. much money, not as much exposure. So it kind of works the other way. But then you get good in conference and you dominate, and then you're happy again. And then you get an LSU once you have a chance to win, and you should have won, you know, in, in the tournament mm-hmm. game last year. So it kind of works the other way at times as well. And, Charles, well, you can't blame those, you can't blame those uh, major schools for that attitude. I mean, because, you know, they're, they're, those coaches' jobs are on the line also. And, you know, how does it look for them when they're going to AD's office trying to renew their contract and they lost to lowly Jackson State? 
You know, I mean, that's something that's definitely gonna gonna come up. There's no doubt about that. So, and then I yeah. paid you too. On top of that, now come on yeah. now. You know, I got on yeah. I got on uh, Coach Robinson the other day because I think we paid uh, Fort Lauderdale. I mean, we gave him fifteen hundred dollars, and uh, <laughs> they came in and they beat us. And I, uh -oh. I, I'm like, uh -oh. Coach, I'm like, Coach, come on, baby, come on now, come on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, bought, I bought them dinner, and they whooped my butt. Come on now, that ain't that don't fit well now. I mean, fifteen hundred is, is, is just fifteen hundred, and it might be a drop in the bucket to some people. You know, but yeah. on the Division Two level, I'm paying for a win now. You know, if, if I'm giving you a thousand dollars, or I'm buying dinner, or buying pizza, or what have you, now come on now. You know, somebody <laughs> yeah. tell me something different. I'm expecting you to come on in here and lay down now, and roll over or something. You know, yeah. wow. so, but I, I, I can understand the mindset. I, and, I guess at those it, bigger it, school, quickly, Carlos. At those bigger schools, you are judged also in non-conference. When you're paying out those guarantees, your record going into conference carries just as much weight as what you do or don't do in conference. As a matter of fact, it could push you over the edge. If you're a six and six team, if you're a power five team and you're six and six going into conference, and then you wind up being the first round exit in your in your conference tournament, that hurts you both ways. It hurts you in the regular season in conference. Hurts you going. 500 in conference, and then they look back at non-conference. You're six and six. You had eight home games. That hurts you as well, considering all the guarantee money. Like William, like Wheeler Brown said, you're paying out probably a half million dollars in guarantees to play at home to get those wins. So, at that level, it works the other way. For at the at the SWAC level in HBCU, not so much. But at that level, it works. It, the non-conference is big because it gets you a, a good seating at the table in the uh, NCAA tournament because it's a conference thing as well, as well as what you do individually. Well, mm -hmm. I, I understand that, but I'm going to be selfish. I could care less about the Power Five schools <laughs> and, 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 and their, and their non-conference. I'm trying, yeah, I'm selfish. I'll admit that. But I'm more, I, I'm very deeply concerned because what we've been talking about Okay, we've established that, that, and we have a sitting AD who says you've got to bring in X amount of dollars. So the fan participation is not excitement because they have bad records. But that 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 money helps the athletic department survive. Now we're in conference. Now we're in the conference season. Now I think it's more pressure because you have had a lot of money games. And then we talk about conference RPI and what have you. Now, that conference team, because the conference is on the lower end of the RPI, there's pressure there. They've got to, they can't afford two or three losses if they want to perhaps not have to get into the play-in game. But then I understand it's a lot of coaches like the play-in instead of just going right straight into the 16th seed. So it's a, it's a lot of dynamics Charles and Wheeler uh, for basketball. I just simply want to see a balance and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago in the non-conference schedule and I want to see more success uh, conference play, a conference as a whole where they can do better. Will it happen anytime soon? I understand. It won't. I won't hold my breath, Wheeler, but there has to be a, 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 a tweak to the business 
model in athletics, and that includes basketball as well. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Definitely. With that being said, now coaching. We were going to talk about it last week. Wheeler, you're presented with an opportunity to hire a a coach, no matter what sport. What are a couple of things that off the bat that it's a must for you? And and I guess I'm alluding to, do you look at someone who who has uh, name recognition, i.e. celebrity coach with very little experience or none or do you look at the the the, the coach that are uh, coaches that have went through the process have gotten the experience just looking for an opportunity how do you balance those two or should i even say balance is it a clear-cut case for you what you're going to do well carlos uh, for me experience counts you know, uh, it, it, it means a lot to me. You know, not necessarily head coaching experience, but if you bring in some of that to the table, then then that's a plus. Mm-hmm. You know, but experience, experience counts. You know, so I'm looking at the total body of work. Uh, I'm looking at whether or not this person has a history of developing talent. Can you recruit? Can you operate under circumstances that are, quote unquote, less than favorable? You know, are you used to operating in an environment where financially it may not, you may not have the best of everything? You know, all those things I have to take into consideration uh, prior to hiring a coach. Now, having said that, Carlos, I'm going to back up a minute. You know, A&T mm-hmm. just hired a guy, you know, I'm an A&T alum, so, yes, you sir. know, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of dig deep into the dwellings of, you know, what they do, that sort of thing. And so I'll put this out there. I like their hire. Okay. When I, when I look at the boxes, you know, he, he puts a check mark in a lot of the boxes. I like the fact that. Uh, he has experience in the new conference that I'm going into, mm-hmm. you know, which is the CAA. That's a plus, you know, extensive experience. He's won, you know, at various CAA schools, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm liking that. The HBCU guy also, you know, graduated from Valley, I think, uh, you know, been around a couple minutes, that sort of thing. I like his experiences. I like what he brings to the table. Okay. Having said that, and you know, I always got a butt in there, Carlos. Oh, I knew it was coming. Having said that, having said that, okay, what I don't like is the fact that, and, and you you guys know, and I'm an HBCU lifer. There's no ifs, ands, or buts mm-hmm. about that. I make no excuses, no bones about that. I'm HBCU for life. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I slam A&T for getting rid of a coach and Coach Washington mm-hmm. who checked a lot of the boxes that they were looking for in terms of a head coach. 
You know, I mean, experience, bam, he had it. You know, this man had a 35 and 15 overall record as a head coach. Okay. Now he won, I think, two celebration bowls, maybe, but was part of four winning celebration bowl teams. Okay. Last year he was seven and four. Look at who he lost to last year. He lost to Duke, FBS. Okay. He lost to uh, North Dakota State, who I think just won the FCS championship for the umpteenth time. Well, they're getting ready to play it. He lost, or getting ready to play it one of the two, you know, but who's won it like nine or ten times in a row or something like that. Okay. He lost to uh, Gardner Webb in the Big South championship game. You know, so three of his four losses, you know, were, uh, if it's a such thing as a quality loss, it don't get no more quality than that right there. You know, and you're mm-hmm. playing for the championship in a predominantly white conference. You know, so to me, while he might not have brought as much to the table as the guy they just hired, he wasn't chopped liver either. And mm-hmm. so... To me, you let a coach go who was 12, 13 games above 500, who's won a couple championships, who's kept you in contention, you know, throughout the time that he's been there, that sort of thing. Now, you let him go. My question becomes, did you let him go because he didn't have any PWI experience? Hmm. That's the question. (laughs) That's a question that I would that I would ask that I would have to get an answer to because when I look at the resumes of both guys, they damn near the same. Except mm. for the guy that they just hired has more experience PWI wise than the guy that they just let go. So was the criteria in their mind, okay, were they looking for a PWI guy? And did Washington get let go because he didn't have PWI experience? And if that's the case, then I, I, I have an issue with that because I think they should have given him the resources necessary to compete on that next level. And then mm. if he did not win on that next level with the resources that are comparable to my competition, then... I make the move and look to bring in somebody else, you know, but to cut the legs out from under the man before he even had a chance to get into the new conference to see what he could do. To me, it doesn't pass the smell test. And that's just me, but I'm an experienced type guy, Carlos. I'm never going to be one where I'm looking at, whether whether or not somebody played in the league and all that sort of thing and stuff, to me that means nothing. You know, you were a great player in the league. That's good. You, God bless you. You know, you had an opportunity to get there. You did well, that sort of thing. Tell me how that translates into taking care of these kids that I have in the here and now 
Okay, tell me how that's going to help you develop these kids. Tell me how that's going to help these kids get the degrees that I want them to have. Tell me how, you know, how you're going to be able to take care of those kids ultimately. You know, how you're going to develop those kids emotionally, socially, academically, athletically. You know, explain those things to me. You know, because at the end of the day, that gold Hall of Fame jacket don't mean jack. You know, if if kids are going through your institution like a revolving door, you know, if they're hitting the transfer portal left and right, you know, if, if you're claiming to be the savior of the be-all, then-all, and then nothing happens, you know, at the end of the day, when you leave and go home, I'm still left here with my kids, okay, who are struggling, trying to find a way, you know, trying to get it done, trying to take that next step to take get to the next level, whatever that level may be for them from a personal point of view, if that makes sense. No, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, and you know, you're having that uh, discussion. I, I can only speak um, because I'm a Southern alum, Southern supporter. And, um, you know, quite honestly, I've been asked, um, you know, when there was an opening, should should Southern go that route and hire a, a, a celebrity coach, recognizable name? Now, Coach Banks interviewing him on, on this show. He said, no, they, they were not going to do that. And, and they didn't. They brought in Coach Dooley, who, of course, everyone knows, cut his teeth at Southern University as he got into it. So I guess it, it, it's just, and I asked the question last week, it seems to be the trend to go that route. Not all the time, but in most cases, we've seen it. And what is the, how can I put this? What is the enticement? Or what are the advantages of having someone who maybe didn't have any coaching experience, but has name recognition? We, and I know everybody points to Jackson State having having success, but the jury is out in in other cases. And, and I think folk need to understand that Deion Sanders was a unicorn. He's a unicorn, you know, and anybody that thinks anything differently is just kidding themselves. You can't replicate what he has done. Okay, simply because of who he is. It's not going to happen. You know, the only other person that may be out there with any kind of similar name recognition, maybe somebody like a Ray Lewis, but even he is not on that level charisma-wise like Deion Sanders. Mm -hmm. So everybody that's out there that's trying to find the next Deion, they're kidding themselves because the next Deion isn't out there. There are more Eddie Georges out there. There are more Ed Reeds out there. You know, there are more, uh, 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 what's the guy at, at Grambling now, the football coach? Hugh, Hugh Jackson Hugh out there. There are, more, there are more folk like that out there than there are Deion Sanders. Okay? Mm -hmm. and I, but I also think that the lure now, and probably uh, Bethune-Cookman, uh, the guy Bethune may have thought about this was the fact that, you know, Ed Reed, 
he does have a lot of friends. He probably does have a lot of friends with money. You know, financial. so push come to shove, we can expect some, you know, some kind of financial windfall, you know, for our football program, you know, in terms of, you know, guys contributing or people contributing, that sort of thing. But outside of that, I mean, I can't see it. I, I just I just don't see it at all, you know. And, uh, you know, I was talking with a president, uh, a university president, matter of fact, a couple of days ago, who uh, said that she thought that, you know, handling someone of Deion Sanders' notoriety that she would never have put herself in position to even think about something like that. She said she cringed mm. at the thought that, you know, she would be the president at a university that had hired a football coach of that kind of that kind of stature. So, I mean, and there are probably a few other presidents that think like that also, but, you know, uh, I think Larry Little said, I uh, read the other day, that, you know, he thought that uh, the hiring of these celebrity guys uh, could be possibly be a good thing if they're in a university with a president whose ego isn't as big as theirs. And he probably made a, a, a great a great statement by, by saying that. Yeah, well, there, there, have been some, there have been some clashes, you know, I.E. at Jackson State president. And uh, I remember a longtime person, Greg Rochelle, God rest his soul. Uh, he went back in the history and, and said that the administrators were like, you know what? There will never be. And we're talking about A.W. Mumford. There will never we will never have a head coach slash A.D. that is more powerful than the people at the back of the campus, people of influence. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I guess the traditional way of building programs and, and getting student athletes in the program, come in as a freshman, help them attain a degree and help them grow from a, a athletic standpoint. That's still, in my opinion, still the best way to, uh, to, to go. And also having like, like TC Taylor, he went through the process at Jackson State. Now he's getting opportunity. I still look for those guys to get opportunities to become head coaches, not the coaches that have the name recognition and celebrity uh, rec recognition. Charles, you want to say something? Yeah. Oh yeah, I want to say something quickly about Coach Washington. I mean, I think he did a he did a wonderful job at A and T, but I in, in in my heart in my gut, once they change conferences. And this this happens in transition, unfortunately. The ones that were that were not a part of the big transition. If you were a head of a company and it changes owners, probably the head was probably going to be pushed out the door. And I just felt like for Coach Washington, despite what he did in the MEAC, it starts all over again when you change conferences. Re regardless of how unfair that may be, I just felt like unless he was ten and one, nine and two, competing right there. Uh, in the in the conference mix, I just felt like that change was going to be made eventually. 
And I hate to say that because I think he's a wonderful coach, but I just felt like in the wash, in the transition, in the translation, that was probably going to happen, and it did. And it's just unfortunate because I thought he did a good job. I'm like, Wheeler Brown, what, what, what did he do? But I think when you make these changes, when you change conferences and things like that, the clock starts all over again. What you did in the MEAC, unfortunately, doesn't translate to what you did, what you're going to do in the next conference or conferences you're going to probably join. So I, I felt like that was going to happen. I was hoping not, but that's just kind of the politics of it and, and how it kind of falls. It's unfair. It's brutal, but it, it's, a, it, it's a tough cookie to swallow to me. And Charles, I, I felt the same way. I felt that it was going to happen. You know, I just thought that the man had built up enough credit to where he earned at least an opportunity to see what he could do moving forward. You know, especially uh, having this past year, you know, lost in the Big South Conference Championship game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so I, I thought, and and with primarily less resources than his competition, so I, I really would have loved to have seen or had him have the opportunity to put together a battle plan uh, to uh, get those resources up to snuff in terms of the conference that they're going in, because you better believe there's a new guy yeah. coming in. I, I'm, you know, he's get he's going to get the resources necessary, you know. But if you were not prepared to give, you know, your former coach those same kind of resources, and and you know, we always know the new guy gets more than the old guy. I mean, there's no ifs ands or buts about that for some reason that always happens. But you know, I thought that that Washington had earned enough credit to where he at least should have gotten that first year in the CAA, you know, to kind of see, you know, with the resources necessary to compete, you know, to see if he could handle, you know, that, that particular situation, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I understand exactly what you're saying, Charles. And I, I, I felt it was inevitable. There's no doubt about that, you know, and I knew that, Getting somebody with PWI experience probably was at the top of their list in terms of, you know, what they were looking for in their next head coach, you know, preferably somebody that had coached in the CAA, you know, so which they thought would probably give them a leg up moving forward, that sort of thing. And it, and it probably can give them a leg up, you know, but if the resources, you know, aren't put forward, in terms of getting this guy what he needs to be successful. And I'm sure, you know, he probably put some demands out there, and I'm sure he's probably going to get some things that Coach Washington probably didn't even dream of. And uh, But, you know, like you said, it, it is what it is on that one. And but, it, but it's a shame, I think, that, you know, you work so hard and you're a winning coach. It's not mm-hmm. like he was dog meat but you're a winning coach, you know, and just seems like, I, I don't know. It, it just, I guess it wasn't enough or wasn't enough of the right kind of stuff, that sort of thing. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. So, Well, I, I'm just shocked to be honest with you that, 
and, and I've read and looked and talked to a few people on both sides of the uh, of the equation. I shocked North Carolina A&T, you know, even left the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's another story in itself. Uh, Wheeler, you're an alum. You've spoken to other alums. If you could put a percentage on it, how many alums were in favor of moving from a predominantly black conference and, and moving elsewhere? What percentage would you put on it? I'm going to say probably about 40%. You know, I would say favor? probably were wanted were in favor. I'd say probably 35 to 40% may have been in favor. Okay. Uh, you know, knowing the situation and uh, knowing the uh, president at a t who's an alum also, I might mm-hmm. add. And, uh, you know, but knowing his mindset, that sort of thing, having worked for him, uh, I could understand his mindset in terms of what he was trying to do moving <laughs> forward. You know, for him, I think it was more based off the academic model yeah. of competing than it was the athletic model of competing. You know, AMC <laughs> has visions of being the first HBCU to be a research one institution, that sort of thing. And, you know, all the things that, that go along with that in terms of dollars, things of that nature, when they look at their, what they call their peer institutions, there is not a HBCU on the list of their quote unquote peer institution. So they're mm-hmm. always comparing themselves to, you know, PWIs, that sort of thing. And I mean, that's, that's fine if that's the direction that you know, they want to go in, uh, uh, you know, things of that nature. But, you know, I'm a old school traditionalist type guy, that sort of thing. And, you know, so I was one of those that was against, uh, you know, leaving, leaving the conference that you founded from day one. Uh, you know, I, I thought when A&T left the MEAC, it kind of took it down a couple of notches. And then when Fam and Bethune left, that was almost made it a death nail, you know, so to speak. But, uh, you know, it's still surviving right now and, uh, and, and trying to move forward the, the best that it can. But, yeah, I would say probably 35, no more than 40% of A&T alums were for the particular moves. And, uh, you know, so you, you know, you, you hear a lot about that. So, you know, you were talking probably about maybe 60, 65% of alums that were or are against the move, you know, but they're going to support A&T regardless of where they are, that sort of thing. You know, hate, they hate losing out on the traditional things such as like, you know, the battle of the bands in the fifth quarter and, you know, all those kinds of things. And uh, I think you probably had just as many A&T people at the Celebration Bowl as you had North Carolina Central people. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, they're, they're, still, they're still going and, you know, supporting, you know, HBCUs and, and things of that nature. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it moves forward. 
Well, next week, Wheeler, I, I want to get into your former athlete, collegiate athlete. Um, we'll mm-hmm. get a little bit more into this transfer portal, five stars, four stars. And, and I, I think I've pissed off some people because I, I think we have sometimes <laughs> the sky is falling uh, mentality. If, if, you know, you're getting a three star and a two star and someone else in the conference getting a five star, we're falling behind and we've got to, uh, you know, sometimes it's just, look, let's get the traditional student athlete, put them in a position to be successful, coach them up, and then they're much better when they came in. But I understand we're in a quick hit society now. Got to have instant gratification. So we'll kind of get into that next week. I'm interested in your – At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you still got to button up that chin strap and put that mouthpiece in. <laughs> Let's make no mistake about this thing. You know, at the end of the day, you still got to put your hand in the dirt, you know, and, and let's see what you got. So, you know, a lot of them stars you know, have a tendency to fall off, you know, once you start rolling around in the dust and the dirt, you know, you, you, find, you find out, you know, whether those stars transfer from that sheet of paper <laughs> to to rolling around in your head when you got knocked out. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to put some pr- perspective on all of this. And, um, you know, I give my opinion, but I, I want to hear from you guys. It, oh, we, we, we're going to have this discussion uh, uh, again. But the sky's not falling. At the end of the day, we've got to just get better as institutions, as a conference, and, you know, we, we can. I have faith in us. But, you know, some of us are taking a different path to get to the same goal. So just kind of be careful. Just be careful. Willer, <laughs> we are overdue. We're out of time, literally. I uh, <laughs> want to thank all of our guests. Appreciate Melody producing the day show. All of you guys for uh, tuning in. We appreciate it. Until next Saturday. At 11 a.m. Central Standard Time for another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, peace and God bless.